Thanks a bunch for being with us on Community Matters. It's a Saturday thing on WBCK after the 8 o'clock news and an anytime thing at battlecreekpodcast.com. In fact, a new website being brewed. Do we brew websites? Well, I guess we are uh, for that space. So be watching for that at battlecreekpodcast.com. Made possible by Lakeview Ford Lincoln. Every little while, we check in with the Humane Society of South Central Michigan for our Wiggly Tail update, and today is that day. Jessica Gilbert, welcome back. Thank you. Today, we're talking about Mona, a domestic short hair kitty. What a pretty one she is. She is absolutely beautiful. She's got those tiger stripes, but the background color is kind of a rusty orange. I mean, when you see her, her coloring is really uh, unique and unusual, but she has also just got the best personality to go with it. Well, that's always interesting because uh, just like dogs and us, kitties have uh, opportunity for different kinds of personalities. And one of the things that I loved about my kitty was that she was one of those who wanted to be near you and love on you and all of that stuff. And that's always nice when that happens. It absolutely is. I, I'm one of those people who likes a cat to be with you up in your face. And gosh, uh, Mona is that kind of cat. She wants to be close to you. She's fine to sit next to you and take a nap. Uh, but she is partial to belly rubs and uh, she likes to give kisses. She's just really sweet. Wow. What's her story? Um, she was actually brought in uh, from another rescue to be spayed, um, and they were going to do a trap neuter return on her. Um, but when she came in, she was so sweet. Actually, when they were trying to um, vaccinate her and to draw her blood, she was just kneading her paws so happily. <laughs> and uh, this is not a cat that can go back outside. This is a cat that deserves a home. Um, so uh, we transferred her into our facility, and now she's being given a second chance. You always are a little concerned, right, about how they'll adapt to the cat room and the environment with all the other kitties. How did that go? Like most of the cats, she's a little bit standoffish for a couple days. She was a little bit nervous about the other cats. But when I went in there this morning, she was up mixing around with the rest of the cats. No growls, just happy to be there. And the other cat seemed to have really accepted her. So I think she'd do great in a home with another cat. She's just a, a really special, special girl. So how about with kids? What do you see with that? Just because she is a little bit older. Um, she'd probably like some older kids. Uh, sometimes toddlers can be kind of hard on older cats. Um, and since she's kind of set in her ways, she may not be uh, as accepting of being picked up and carried around by a toddler. So okay. probably kids um, that are respectful of her, of course. She's four years old. So this is um, well into adulthood, certainly. Yes. My cats are now living 20 years or more. I think the oldest cat was just uh, listed at 36. Oh my. So she still has plenty of life left in her. And I don't know about you, but having a kitten at this point, climbing the drapes and chewing through wires, all of that's out of her system. So she's just going to be a great companion. I tell you what, you speak my language with that because uh, kittens are lovely. But yes, if you have a, a calmer home and don't want to uh, unleash a kitten lifestyle, this would be a great option. Mona here would be uh, easily adaptable, probably. 
she still has plenty of uh, playfulness. She probably is still going to get the wild hair to run around and do the cat zoomies, but she's not going to get much trouble as a kitten. Would. Yeah. By the way, I love that I'm hearing the dogs barking in the background. I'm not. I'm surprised <laughs> we don't hear that more often when we have these chats, but uh, we usually don't. Today, I hear it. Yes, we have um, some puppies that... Uh, let's just say they're not going to be a great fit for an apartment because they are all the way in the back and we can hear them here in my office. Um, they don't stop. They are very, very vocal. So uh, when when we do uh, the review on them coming up, we will definitely say that they need to be in a home so they don't disturb your neighbors. Okay, that's for a later Wiggly Tale, but uh, they're making themselves known now. So any other specificities we might want to know about Mona at this point? She sounds pretty easygoing and the process is pretty straightforward, it would seem. It absolutely is. She's just a, a perfect cat. And if you're looking for a companion, it's really easy to fill out the application on our website. It doesn't take very long. It takes us maybe two days to process. We are uh, closed Sundays and Mondays, so we don't process on those days. But um, I think she's just going to fit into just about anyone's lifestyle. She's a great cat. We talk about the cat room, and, and we've certainly been in the cat room and, and broadcast from the cat room. But I don't know that we've ever talked about just the average turnaround. I mean, certainly you have like Momo, for example, who's been there for years. And then you might have someone like Mona who comes in and maybe turns around quickly. But do you know the average time a cat spends with you? Cats tend to stay a little bit longer with us uh, than dogs do up until the last year or so. I would say our average resident, if you include in the ones who have been with us for a very long time, is probably two years. Um, but there's no time limit on their stay. So uh, they get to stay until they find a home. We don't euthanize for space. Uh, when we adopt out, we have room to take more in. So more adoptions is good. But they have a great life. They've got a solarium. They've got an exercise wheel. They have all kinds of love and support. We have great volunteers that come in almost every day of the week to spend time with them, plus the staff members do. It's a really good environment for them. So they are really happy in there. We've got some great, happy cats. Yeah, and you point out uh, that you don't euthanize for space. So that just means that that sometimes there's availability for a new resident and sometimes there's not. Absolutely. When we're full, we're full. Unfortunately, we're coming up on kitten season again, and I know we'll start getting calls. But until we can do adoptions, until uh, some of the cats that we've got here uh, find homes, we really can't take new cats in. So that really highlights the importance of making sure your cats are spayed and neutered because it's really hard to find placement for a litter. Hats off to Bob Barker with that comment. So that's what you mean by kitten season, I presume. You see more of them at certain times of the year. And we're coming up on that. We are. Absolutely. In fact, it almost didn't stop last year. I think some of that has to do with the warmer weather. We didn't really get much of a break. And we're already getting some calls for um, people who want to surrender their litters. And it can be kind of frustrating. I mean, if you have a cat at home and it hasn't been fixed, you want to get that done. It could be a simple situation where a family has a cat and they deliver a litter of kittens. And instead of handling it themselves, let's say, trying to find homes for them, they will surrender the litter to an entity like yours. They will if they can. But in our situation, we're full most of the other places around our full um, capital area in Lansing, they tend to have a lot of adoptions. 
but they are full as well already. So we into kitten season with everybody already being full. There is really not any placement for these litters at this point. Some humane societies don't have a shelter, right? I mean, sometimes they they are working in the functions of the, the mission of a humane society, but they're not in the business of sheltering pets. Yes, there are some uh, humane societies that work entirely on spaying and neutering animals instead of uh, doing adoptions and sheltering. All humane societies, we are not affiliated. So everyone is their own standalone organization. So uh, the programs and services that we offer here are different than what you would see in Kalamazoo or Lansing or uh, over at Michigan Humane in Detroit. We are all different organizations. Some of us have shelters. Some of us don't. Some of them offer spay and neuter. Some of us don't have them funds to do that. So each organization is separate. Why would a humane society not want to have a shelter? For one thing, it is quite expensive. So having a shelter, having the staff, certainly if you've gone to buy a bag of cat or dog food lately, you know how expensive that is. So it's a really expensive endeavor to be able to house animals and provide care for them every day of the year. Some shelters were set up in areas where there's already two or three shelters. Um, For instance, over in Kalamazoo, they have the SPCA and Animal Welfare Project. And then they've got a a bunch of other rescues. So they have plenty of places, uh, including the animal control facility in Kalamazoo. So their Humane Society really focuses on their spay and neuter program, which stops the problem before it starts. So if more people got their animals spayed and neutered, we wouldn't have as much need for as many shelters. All right. Well, Mona is uh, ready to go at the Humane Society of South Central Michigan. So check out the photo at battlecreekpodcast.com, the one we're talking about. I don't know what your magic touch is, but... You are so good at getting them to pose. So there has been more than one occasion, I have to tell you, where I've gone to the Humane Society, tried to take a picture, and they're okay. And then Jessica does something, and they pose perfectly, and I throw my pictures out because uh, yours are so much better. And Mona, I don't know if you took that picture, but it looks like you did because she is well posed. So take a look at battlecreekpodcast.com and Click on through for more details on how to fill out the application for she or perhaps another of the available pets at the Humane Society. Jessica, you talked about the warmer weather. This has had an effect in some ways on our pets, has it not? It has. Uh, it is tick season early. Oh boy. Um, my husband was walking out in our backyard two weeks ago, and when we came in, he had a tick on his jeans. Ticks on the dogs already. If you have cats that go in and out, you might be seeing ticks already. The incidence of tick disease, uh, specifically Lyme disease for dogs, is increasing in the state of Michigan. We're not having the kill-off of the ticks in the winter. Um, So Lyme disease can be a a pretty serious thing for dogs. Um, It generally starts with a fever, sore joints, swollen lymph nodes, and can progress into kidney issues. Um, So it's important that you speak to your veterinarian about the vaccine or getting your dog on a consistent flea tick and heartworm preventative. They do 
um, pills and shots that are all of those three things. So you don't want your dog to get Lyme disease because that could be a, a fatal condition. You don't want them to get heartworm. That could be a fatal condition. And you generally don't want fleas in your home, which is maybe not a fatal condition, but then that's disgusting. And maybe everybody gets a uh, tapeworm from that. So you, you don't want that. Talk to your vet about getting them on flea tick and heartworm preventative. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty wild how this works. I, I even years ago had an indoor cat and one day he was, he was laying on the back of the couch facing me and I was just looking at him and all of a sudden out from above his eye came a flea and I grabbed that thing in a hurry and it was shocking to me because, of course, my cat didn't go out. So how the heck did this happen? So sometimes we track these things in ourselves, don't we? We absolutely do. Uh, not only do we track them in, but if your animal tracks them in, if you've got a dog that goes in and out, um, which most dogs do so they can use the bathroom, when they come back in, they can drop the fleas or ticks and then they can get in your bed and they can get on you. Uh, you don't want your dog to get heartworm or Lyme disease. Humans get Lyme disease and that can be a really dangerous thing as well. You don't want to get that. Lyme disease is a little bit less common for cats. There's something about their system that uh, does not allow that bacteria to transmit as easily. But cats get other tick-based diseases, including uh, tularemia, which is a really dangerous thing. Uh, I always remember that one because uh, the, the way it sounds reminds me of the alt-rock song um, by the group Phoenix, Listomania. <laughs> it's one way to remember. Yes. <laughs> How do you handle it in the shelter? Boy, oh boy, you've got a, a whole population to worry about. So we might have one or two pets at home, but now you're dealing with this whole population of pets and this issue. So it's magnified, isn't it? Absolutely. So here at the shelter, um, when our volunteers come in, if they want to spend time with the cats, we have them spend time with the cats first before taking the dogs out for a walk. That way, uh, when they come back in after taking the dogs for a walk, they don't take any ticks or fleas into the cat room. So that's the procedure for that. All of our dogs are kept on a flea tick and heartworm preventative every month of the year. Um, so that's going to stop them from getting uh, those issues. But every single time a dog Dog and volunteer comes back in from walking the dogs. The dogs are checked over for ticks. Um, generally, the volunteers are pretty good about uh, removing the ticks themselves, but if they're a little bit squeamish, we'll take care of that. But they are on their own if they get ticks themselves. So, I mean, we're not going to remove those for them. <laughs> <laughs> How do you remove them? What's the best way these days? How do you do it? You know, some of our hardier staff members are really good at just picking them off with their fingers. Wow. But I have uh, a little tool that um, it looks like a, a little fork, and you just slide it under the head and twist it, and that tick pops right off. Okay. Really well. Uh, it's important when you get a tick off that you don't leave the head or the mouth pinchers in it. So being able to use that or something called a tick key is really helpful. And then um, you could flush them down the toilet or we have a tick jar. If you have a um, jar of rubbing alcohol, empty out a little bit. Just drop those ticks right in there, and then you can see how many you collected at the end of the summer. You could do a competition in your family to see how many ticks you have. <laughs> oh, it's a game. I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is uh, really smart advice. And then that whole point about making sure you get the, the whole of the 
of the bug out of there. If you don't, then there's still some danger. The head can continue to um, put disease in and then there could be an infection. They're just really disgusting creatures, the ticks. You talk about each of the volunteers when they bring the dogs in inspecting. This is a job. You have to go through very carefully on the skin. Yes, uh, it's especially harder for long-haired dogs. That's why in your own home and here at the shelter, it's really important to keep your animals on a preventative that will uh, kill those ticks and stop them from being an issue. Uh, the check that we do uh, is just an extra to make sure that uh, we get out the ticks that we can. But if we missed any, being on the preventative is going to help. All right. I remember that, that little flea story I just told. It was a few drops on the back of the neck, which was quite different from years before that when, when we put collars on. What's the preferred way now? There's actually, uh, for some of them, I believe there's a shot that the dogs can get that are the combo shot, which covers the fleas, ticks, and heartworm. There's also um, chewables that they can have. We generally don't recommend the collars, especially any kind of collar that you would get like at the grocery store, specifically the hearts collars. If you do a little bit of internet research, they have been um, proven to be quite dangerous, especially to cats. So on this one, you don't want to go over the counter. You definitely want to talk to your vet about what kind of preventative they need for your animal's health. Um, animals have become sick, had seizures, and even died from some of the over-counter products. Okay, so ask your vet what the best approach would be. Your vet knows your pet well and can make that, uh, make that recommendation. Meanwhile, BattleCreekPodcast.com. Check out the photo of Mona. And she is there posing nicely, ready to make a connection with the right home. Wiggly Tail updates on WBCK and Community Matters right here just about every month or so with Jessica Gilbert at the Humane Society of South Central Michigan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.